Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast this is episode 154 the guest for this episode is april washko and linda russell from the tv series chair gang with new episodes each week on facebook watch created by washko and filmed in Michigan, Chair Gang is described as 
stepping into the personal and professional lives of the stylists of Ebert's Salon and Spa. You get a first-hand look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Along with creating Chair Gang, April Washko wears many hats in the production of the show as the HBIC. Along with her role as the fiery Alyssa, who's got a bit of a short fuse that speaks her mind. And Linda Russell plays the sly, stylish, and manipulating Brie. During our chat, we talked about how Chair Gang came to be, creating opportunities for other people, their creative beginnings, trying to stand out, learning from your experiences, collaboration versus competition, creative responsibilities on set, and much more. Before we get into this episode with these two amazing ladies, I definitely want to remind you how you can support the podcast. Support Fresh is the Word via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help me, K-Fresh, and Fresh is the Word. So go to patreon.com slash fresh is the word. There's all sorts of monthly tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to. And some of them you can even be a part of the podcast. So once again, go to patreon.com slash fresh is the word. All right, let's get on to the interview with April Washko and Linda Russell from the TV series Chair Gang. All right, we're here at the Fresh of the Word Studios. I've never been able to say that, but <laughs> somebody actually came by the crib <laughs> to uh, to do a to do a podcast interview. We're here with a couple of the lovely ladies of the Chair Gang TV show from a Facebook watch. Go ahead and introduce yourselves and you know what you do up on the show. So uh, my name is April Washko and I am the creator and executive producer of the Facebook watch series Chair Gang and I also play Alyssa. Hi, I'm Linda Russell. I play Brie on the show and I feel compelled to spell my name L-Y-I-N-D-A-A because I recreated myself as a Norwegian goddess not too long ago and uh, that, that's how I roll. That's fantastic. She did too. She really did. That's, that's, a, that's already an interesting backstory. Yeah, a real sweet resume-like asterisk. Like... I'm <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's that's cool. We'll dive into that at one point. We'll we'll dive back into h- how you're a Norwegian princess. Goddess. Goddess. Oh, sorry. Let's get it right. Goddess. <laughs> Goddess. All right. Okay. You know, talk about, you know, what, you know, Chair Gang is, you know, what's your idea? What was your idea about starting this show? So I started acting just as an actor, period, a little bit over 10 years ago. And, you know, I did everything you're supposed to do, moved out to California, went to New York, went to Chicago, did all that fun stuff. And um, it just wasn't happening, you know. And it was it was very well before the days of streaming. Too. Right. Um, so, you know, I did everything you're supposed to. You get an agent and you, you know, get your headshots and you go to auditions and, you, you know, do all of those things. And um, it just wasn't producing the results that I wanted. And or what was being presented to me were things that I wasn't going to take. You know, nudity, the other woman, you know, oh, sorry, you're going to be constantly seen as, you know, a stripper or whatever. So next, you know, um, which is n- I would never do that. So. I started exploring my options beyond acting and had some friends, made friends, you know, had friends that were doing behind the scenes work, producing, um, directing, things like that. 
And slowly but surely on different sets, I just made it a point to be like, hey, what are you doing? And instead of sitting in my trailer all day, can I follow you? Yeah, good idea. You know, like, can you teach me what you're doing? Um, Everyone from audio to grip to camera. And they let me do it. You know, there were some sets, of course, where like there was the rules where you can't. Right, (laughs) Like I can't just go load a grip truck on some sets like I wanted to. Um, But yeah, there's rules and stuff like that. Yeah, the actor can't, you know. Um, So I did. I did that. And I did it as, as much as I could and then started producing independent films and things like that then I started learning marketing from friends that did marketing and advertising and it came to a point where I moved back here because there were just no more options out there you know too crowded for me you know all that and um streaming was getting big so you don't have to be out there yeah yeah, right right not like you did a long time ago yeah people can make their stuff anywhere you know and that's the beauty of it yeah it's great. It's, we're in a great time right now where it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's music, movie, movies, art, whatever, you can do it wherever you, you you want to. Absolutely. And I feel like there's such a thirst for originality that the independent community provides. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, ha- it's not just a recycled version, you know. I mean, there's always going to be respect paid to other things and things that feel like are similar too, but. But when you get into that machine, like in LA or New York, there's kind of a, I would assume there's a bit like of a cutthroatness between people, whereas in comparison to the independent scene where everybody's just kind of trying to do their own thing, that there is kind of, and I just, I've been seeing in the comic book scene, is that there is camaraderie between people. Yeah. And everybody who, if one person succeeds, that could help out everybody. Absolutely. It's, it's very much a collaboration over competition. And that's, that's the name of my game. And so when I moved back here from there, I'm like, sweet, okay, streaming, let me get into this. This is the thing. And a lot of friends that were also starting to move back that had been in California, right. uh, they're like, forget this. Um, they were saying, you know, you need to do your own thing. Everyone's doing their own thing. Do your own thing. Make a movie. Do whatever. And I'm like, no, I can't because, you know, I just can't. I, I don't know how. I've never done that. I don't have $9 million for a red camera to shoot five. You know, like just yeah, yeah, yeah. what it makes you feel like you have to do. And um, and then it just came to a point where I think the universe just put me up against a wall and was like, so this is what you're supposed to do? And it was just kind of pushed into my face repetitively. And it was a complete moment of surrender when I just said, all right, fine. If this career is not for me, then I, I release it. I totally release this career. But at least you should try. Right. And and in the releasing, then it was kind of like, okay, so here it is. You know? <laughs> here it is, yes. And so I said, all right, fine. I'll try it. I'll just see what happens. I might not be good. I might not go anywhere. And here we are. Right. What I've what I've noticed, you know, thus far when you uh whether it's the stuff that you post online or the you know, the Instagram videos, the 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 Facebook videos, is that you definitely want to not only, you know, make this show a success, but also create opportunities for other people, but also kind of take your own experiences, some of the hardships in your life, and put them out there so p- other people can learn from them. You know, what's, what's you know, your thoughts about just doing all this to, you know, help other people and, you know, creating a community where you can actually put other people on? That is the only reason I do it. I've always questioned the notion that people 
have, I guess maybe I question the belief that people have in the film industry and in any arts industry that says this is really hard because really the absolute foundation of the entire craft, it's, can we curse on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead. It's fucking pretend. You know what I'm saying? All of it's like, pretend literally, stuff. Literally, yes. You're not doing heart surgery. You're not literally in charge of whether or not a family is going to see their father, brother, sister, mother, cousin again. You are not. You're literally playing pretend. We're all making stuff up. Yes. This is creative. It's supposed to be playing. It's supposed to be. Yes, there's a huge aspect of business behind it that people forget. But the foundation is playing pretend. Why is it? Oh, this is such a hard industry to break into. Why? Why? I don't, I don't, I really don't see a reason why we can't give everyone a chance. It doesn't mean they're going to be good. Right, right. It doesn't mean that's going to be for them. They can try acting. They might hate it and be like, you know what? The dedication, the demand, the whatever is not for me, but I like this industry. I've always wanted to try writing. Sweet. Awesome. You can do that. I don't understand why we don't do that for more people. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to use this as a space to give everyone as big of an opportunity as they want. And in any creative industry, as I mentioned, there's a whole business side that most people do not understand. (laughs) And it's very business heavy to be successful and make a living and, you know, do your things and all that. And that does not mean everyone's going to come with you because a lot of people see the demand and they realize they can't do it. Right, right. You know, it's it's hard. It's every day. It's it's twenty four seven. It's not, especially doing a series. It's not like a one off yeah. film. Right. It's every single week. So yeah, it's a lot of work. But I I want to do my part to help other people. That doesn't mean you know they're gonna take it and soar, but to give them the opportunity to do so. So that's what I hope for. Okay, over here to the Norwegian goddess. Hi, Norwegian goddess here. <laughs> How was, um, you know, what has been your, uh, you know, how did you sort of break into wanting to be an actress, be, be into anything creative? You know, what's sort of your background? Actually, I started in middle school. I took an elective. It was a theater, ele- it was an acting elective. And I had to pick one, and the choices were a little douchey, but it was... Always I, are. But But then one of them was acting, and I thought, really okay cool I guess I'll do this one and I had a really good teacher he he was he was just funny and helpful and creative and kind and everything that you want your favorite teacher to be and uh, our our end of the year project so to speak, was we did a little play, you know, put on a little play, um, but it was totally scripted by him. It wasn't, you know, um, Shakespeare or anything, it, you know, it's just something he made up, a bunch of skits. And I remember getting up on stage and uh, going up to the microphone because it was a mock spelling bee type thing. And hearing and feeling the audience's reaction to me in a positive way, like, oh, I'm successful. I did something successfully and it was acting (laughs) and he made me do that. All I did was do exactly what he told me to do and it worked. And so I was like, "Mm, I can do this. Oh, I I think I'm an actor. (laughs) And then uh, toward the end of the year, um, he said, you know what? Uh, Performing arts high school is uh, 
having open auditions, it's coming up. If you want to uh, audition for that high school, I can help you with your with your audition material. And I thought, why not? So he did. Uh, and a couple of other kids from um, that elective did too. And a couple of us made it in. And I was like, yeah, I'm an actor. I was just so blown away <laughs> with myself. I, you know, so um, long story short, I just want to say that acting was one of those things just right in the beginning of my youth that got me excited and uh, gave me a way to communicate with people my age um, th that I hadn't been able to before. I was always, um, you know, oh, come on, middle school, you know, <laughs> everybody's second guessing everything about themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a nice time to just find something about myself that was like kind of awesome and that I could do and do well. How did all of that sort of, like, like you just said, a, a normal teenager is just confused about themselves. You know, how did acting sort of help you with that? Um, I want to say that I, I always had a belief about myself and didn't really care about what other people thought. And it made me seem standoffish, cold, stuck up, etc. Girls wanted to kick my ass on the daily. I didn't even know them. So, yeah, that was my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it was the transition to performing arts high school um, that that was kind of the breaking point because I want to say at performing arts high school, everybody's talented. Everybody has their own thing. Everyone's super individually cool in and of themselves right. I'm just you know I didn't stick out at all at that school regardless of how talented I was or thought I was or anything I thought about myself because everyone was and so I think I, f I found my clan so to so speak. you felt more comfortable in the performing arts oh absolutely school. because just oh did you ever see the movie fame it's been a long time, I think, but I think we wanted to be that. <laughs> I mean, everybody was so extra. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even though the movie was made about that actual school, I think that as students we wanted it to really be that very specifically, and so so everybody was just super extra. So extra dancing on the tables at lunchtime and in the hallways <laughs> and just bring it on every day and loving it. You can laugh it. out loud if, if you want. She's over here. April's over here laughing, but she's like laughing quietly. Like... Laugh can be on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so transitioning from, from going to a performing arts school, like, was there, you know, at what point did you feel like that you wanted to do this more seriously than just going to school for it? Oh, I thought I wanted to do it seriously from the get-go, from that moment in performing arts high school. There were quite a few students who were working, auditioning. I'm going to say auditioning, and some had already done a gig or two here and there, and we were all in awe of them, like, oh, oh yeah, did oh. you know? She was on the Cosby Show. What? Yo, yo, yo you right, gotta, oh, he's on a T. Oh shoot, you know, right? Oh, on a commercial, <laughs> yo. Oh man, you hear about my man? Oh, man. yeah. Oh, 
And so um, everyone, I, I believe most of us just took off from there and pursued it from there. But I fell in love with someone who had a business in Columbus, Ohio. And that was a major detour for me after school. Moved to Columbus, Ohio. And here's the thing that happened. There's nothing going on in Columbus, Ohio, acting wise. There's just there's nothing. I mean, you could nothing's you could, happening. You could, no, you could act in like a Ohio State commercial or something. True, I don't know. true. But it's not. You can be a Buckeye. I mean, I wasn't dreaming of acting in Columbus, Ohio, when I was going to high school. You know, be a Buckeye. I don't know. Right? Yeah. I don't, but, I don't do do the do the. Do the Buckeyes got cheerleaders or something? I don't know. You could have been. I have a, no idea. I'm so not a sports fan. All right, that's fine. It's, not it's, my thing. You know, we we don't like the Buckeyes here in I Michigan. I like tennis so. only because they grunt really well when they like smashing the ball. And, uh, that, that is, that's you, my favorite part. That's great. And when that, they that, throw that, the racket, that, that is a great. That is a great thing about tennis. In, yeah. That is like they. Uh, and have you ever seen them dive for the ball and they actually land on on? I want to say blacktop, but it's not blacktop. But it's like a clayish thing. And yeah. they land. I mean, they're just diving in midair for a little yellow ball. Yeah. I love it. Tennis real, man. Tennis, Tennis is real. Tennis is really real. It's real. It's yes. Not, it's not no fake sport, man. It's mm -hmm. real, you know. Yeah. For you know, shout out to uh, to all of them, man. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we learned so much. We learned so much. But yeah, so what happened in Columbus, Ohio was, um, so there's nothing going on, and uh, I'm 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 a little despondent, but I'm thinking, you know, one day, someday, I will I will do the thing. I'll figure it out. You know, eh, it's just you know, put a pin in it. It's back there. I'll you know, I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. This is what happened. John Travolta brought his movie to Columbus, Ohio and had the whole thing shot in Columbus and my mind was blown. I'm Wait, which like, movie what? was that? I Am Wrath. It went straight to video. I think Redbox or something like I've that. I've never heard of that. Well, I didn't Have care. Have you heard of that, uh, April? Like, no. No, like, all right. Travolta but Travolta's in town. A whole, the whole, not, not he's Wait. coming to, a, to Columbus for a few scenes. The whole movie. Was this before Pulp Fiction, though? Um, no, after. Okay, After. so so he had his comeback, you know, he was kind of Oh yeah, he's he's He was back into it all. Yeah, he's doing his own little independent thing okay, for okay. his own profit, you know, just cranking him it out. It probably would have been worse if it was before uh Pulp Fiction when he was You don't know that. Off the radar. You don't know that, dude. You don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we're not going to start. Okay. Reeling it back. Reeling it back. Yeah, no no John Travolta hate, I guess. I got excited. I'm thinking there's no way that uh, an entire movie is going to be shot in Columbus and I'm not going to be in it. So I real quick uh, dug up a photo of myself and uh, fabricated the best resume I could yes. and, and submitted it. And I got cast as an extra and I was so on fire. So on fire. <laughs> I'm like, it has begun. It has begun. It has begun. Yeah. I am, so, I am an actress. Right. I just uh, signed up for some classes and then signed with an agent in Columbus and then started doing some stuff and uh, submitted for bunches and bunches and bunches of stuff, including Cheer Gang. Oh, my goodness. When I first saw an episode of Cheer Gang as part of my research, you know, because, you know, 
you, you try and find out as much about the project as you can before right. you submit for it. I watched episode one, 10 seconds into episode one. I'm like, yes. Oh my God. It was The Office, but with women, all women. And it was so awesome. I loved, I loved the style of shooting and I loved April's performance because she appeared in the first 30 seconds. Same, same, same. Yeah. So I was in love right away and I thought, yes, definitely. I want to be a part of this. And so I submitted and crossed my fingers and yay, I got cast in it. Talk about the casting, uh, you know, situation of uh, getting on Chair Gang, you know, your experience. It, it was awesome. Please, um, elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you no, when you got like contacted back about it, you know, what 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 did you have to do next? You know, who did you talk to? You know, what did they just be like? Yo, just come here and act. You know? Oh no 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 no. no. <laughs> Oh, so many things. So many preliminaries. April was my go-to. Um, how, how, how was it when you first met April? When I first met April... Was she April, intimidating? It was all... Um, it, it was all online, and it, it was back and forth emails and texts, and... Um, intimidating? I want to say impressively intimidating. Because... Because yeah. you want to be intimidated. I mean, gosh, blow me away. Show me some shit, you know. Right, like, let, right. Let, you know, engender some emotion in me that makes me want to go, damn, okay. Like, like you, like you want to fuck, <laughs> like, like, yeah, you want to know they got their shit together, but no, then you want to. Not wanna... that you want to fuck them, but that you want to be <laughs> in the show and that it's an awesome show. <laughs> but no, you want you want to be able to like okay, I want to follow this person. Whatever they tell me to do on the show, I want to be yes. able to and like so, trust this person. Yeah, I, I know say, they got their shit together, you right, know. Right. That April w stood out in that sh of all the people that I had worked with in independent projects, she had her shit together. She had a clear vision. She was working her ass off, had been working her ass off for a long time and was doing the thing. And the vision was not just I want to, but it was like, check, did that, next, check, doing that, next. I mean, it was, it was definite, obvious, forward momentum, and I could see the end from the beginning. And I just never wavered in my belief that this was something that I wanted to be a part of. Now, uh, April. Um... I paid her to say that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I believe she's uh, telling the truth. You know, I, I, I trust you. Mm -hmm. I trust you. She, April didn't have to pay her. Nah, <laughs> I don't think so. But um, talk about the beginnings of Chair Gang, you know, sort of like the inception of it. You know, what you want to do with it? You know, how was there any ideas? You know, what was sort of the idea process when starting it? I had a writer friend that writes for um, television shows in California years and years and years ago mentioned to me to figure out a couple ideas. Just think of some stuff. And, and I'm like, eh, it's hard. And he's like, no, it's for real. Like, 
figure something out and write it down. Just a random ass idea. Tell me right now what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. And immediately, because I did work for years as a licensed hairstylist, so I didn't have to be a waitress in California and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. get my shortcut onto set. I was like, well, I worked in a salon one time where this kid literally, like, probably 13, 14-year-old kid pulled his pants down and took a shit in the middle of the lobby. Like, I'm talking, there's people around. And my friend was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that literally really happened. And he goes, okay, so, like, why aren't you writing that? That needs to be written. I'm like, I don't know how I'm not a writer. You know. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Just write it down. Like, that's a good idea. Can you right. think of anything else? I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. Some guy smeared shit all over the walls. Uh, other people were peeing on things. Some guy came in and was, like, throwing underwear at someone. And he's like, okay, so, just, so, like, just write all of that down. All the weird shit that happened while you were working there. Right. Just, just, just write it all write it down off. and see what happens. So I did. I wrote, like, a small little first episode thing. It wasn't what we ended up making into the first episode, but just kind of in my mind to have a placeholder of like, this was an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the years and years later when I was faced with my reality from the world, I was like, okay, I, I, I remember very clearly I was sitting, I was sitting, um, in my room and you know, nothing was on or whatever. And I was just like in release surrender you know like whatever i'm supposed to do i'm gonna do and as clear as you hear me right now i heard the words that salon thing and i was like well all right then i guess that's what i'm about to do so i pulled it up and i just said i don't know how i'm supposed to start this but okay let me google how the hell to start this shit and just call some mentors you know and figure it out so yeah that's kind of how it happened we just started writing shit down and after after you you know had had some stuff written down and kind of you know flushed out all of these ideas, what was the first thing you did to make it happen? The very first thing I knew I knew instinctively was um, two very important things. One, I didn't want to do anything like anyone else was doing that I knew of. Um, by way of actual production, distribution, getting it out there, I want to do something totally different because at least the circles I had worked in and what I had worked on, as beautiful and marvelous as it is for me personally in my journey and vision and my goals, I felt like it, it in the community I was in was very much a um, doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. Yeah, and I, and I feel like with um, with your show, you're the first person to be like, hey – I have a show on Facebook watch. Even then that was different to me. You know, it was mm-hmm. very unique, you know, made me more interested because other people would be like, yo, I have something on YouTube or something else, you know, but, or on some streaming service, but you're the first person. I was like, we got this thing on Facebook watch. And I'm like, you know what? No one's ever said that to me. <laughs> it's awesome. Isn't it? It's cool. I no love Facebook. ever said that to me that they have something on Facebook watch. So I'm like, that's, interesting enough you know yeah and facebook watch is such a wonderfully supportive company um they are so about it you know they'll comment on our stuff like queens you know like they they watch our episodes they're really awesome um i really really like being a part of their platform but you know even like like in the very beginning i didn't know i was gonna be you know that wasn't i didn't know that's what i was gonna do is be on facebook watch i was just like okay i want to get all these episodes written first, have a whole backlog of episodes like you're supposed to do, you know, that way it's airing while you're filming something else and you don't have to worry about, oh my God, in two days we need to get this whole thing done and put out there, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, 
it was just a process and a learning learning curve and just trusting that whatever happened was what was supposed to happen and then Facebook Watch came about and I was like, oh my God, yes. I always felt kind of in my soul something about Facebook Watch. Just like, right. I feel like that's great. It's brand new. There's no one on it. I feel personally like YouTube is, I mean, it, it's getting into potentially a whole nother side of it, but it's not about where you're showing something really. It's about your our audience. What is yeah. your demographic and where are they? And our audience is on Facebook. So that made sense. You know, it's like, cool, awesome. We're not, a, you know, a beauty tutorial or a short, short, short little comedy thing. We're an actual series that's scripted with real actors, and that's more supportive of Facebook Watch. Um, and that's where our audience is, our, our age group, our yeah, it's, all that. It's a bigger age group, whereas YouTube might be something more for a small, like a younger audience. Yeah. Um, so that's why, yeah, I think uh, Facebook Watch is actually a good good home for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> During this whole process of getting, you know, episodes written, getting it off the ground, you know, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself during that time? I don't know that I've ever been able to properly identify a panic attack before. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm playing. I think I'm playing. Um, for real. It's hard. Um, what did I learn about myself? I learned that you can make decisions and say no without needing to explain yourself or have anyone else support it. Um, I learned that. Mm, louder in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Say it louder for the. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. some people back there they might not have heard it. Right. You can say no without needing to explain yourself or be supported on it. That was hard. Um, because doing something like this, there are so many decisions that, A, aren't necessarily anyone else's business when yeah. you're working with so many people. You know, an issue that or may arise between you and another person or just a person, period, yeah. on a cast or something that's happening. You need to make a decision without making all of their business personal and, and out in the air that they are not okay with. But that's fine because it's going to screw everything up. You know, like you just make the correct decisions that you know you need to make without needing to worry about how other people feel about it um i learned that um there i there are amazingly wonderful people in this industry and in this world that will support you and love you through your work and your learning but unfortunately it does ring a little bit true that some of those people pretend to support you don't and that you will really quickly, when you get some success, find out who the hell your friends are. As soon as you yeah. start becoming something, even people that were close to you see that and get bitter. Right, right. And that was very interesting. I remember when our fan base and our audience started really growing and organically i mean people from australia and i don't know we got a real big ohio fan base <laughs> and um you know just all over the u.s and and like new zealand and all of these places and it i'm mean, it's like it's like the real you know what you sit and think like holy shit this is happening all at once and things just start happening and then you see people people that you once maybe were like wanted to go to to share your success yes want nothing to do with you anymore isn't it weird that like these people that you don't know who like your who's who's your work gives them joy like make you happier than your friends 
Yeah. Like, and, you know, that's, you know, that's crazy, you know, and just like you want to share this success with your friends and they're just not there, you know, for whatever reason. I have I have realized there's an enormous fascination for me psychologically with people that are like that, because it, really, if you dive into it, it has nothing I mean, we, we can go real deep into it, but depending the friend it is, it's not even really a friend that's a trauma bond. So, you know, yeah. this person, and, and then that goes into the whole, what is a celebrity? What what does a celebrity mean and entail? Because really the only thing that it creates that desire is the elusiveness. And you're not elusive to a friend that you see all the time. Right. So c- they kind of don't care. You know, whereas somebody down the, you know, two, three states away is is so obsessed with your work and you're looking at your friends going why the hell can't you? like literally if you want to go to the bare bones of using this as an example it's free it, you push a button for god's sake so share my shit you're my friend and right. they won't even do it it's because like they don't really care as much as like whatever kim kardashian is doing because they don't know her it's <laughs> right. that huge elusiveness and the the numbers and popularity and they're like well i see you all the time who cares and i think there's a weirdness like there's a thing where it's like like before these things happen, whether it's success with things, whether it's just getting your own life right, you bonded with this person in a weird way. Yes. It could have been just with like going out and drinking yes. or something, but then you're a changed person. Yes. And you just, and you re- you kind of realize some of their shit is just not up to par. Yes. And you might even call them upon it, call them upon it. And then they feel attacked, you know, because you're not that same person anymore. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Like, maybe we weren't friends to begin with, you know, or we were friends for all the wrong reasons. That trauma bonding. That, dude, dude, it's, it's real. It's, some, it's real. It's some shit, but it's real. It's, it is, you know, you sit with these people and you're, you know, you realize like this is someone I would talk to every, I don't know, Saturday or whatever the hell, just throwing it about, oh my God, you know, my dreams and my goals and my aspirations. And then you really start doing it. And then you represent to them an image of what success is that they can't attain. And you reflect back to them everything they, the qualities they don't have or, you know what I mean? And then they start getting bitter and right. it's just about them. But they take it out on you. So like you said, exactly. It's, it, it's just, they, you change and you change your vibration and shift. And even in projects, I think it's important to say for any creative people out there, especially certain things that are going on now with audiences and people demanding changes of shows and things and, and oh God. all kinds of stuff. It's, you know, they're, there, I know. I know a lot of people myself that work with you. You have a project, a film, a series, or whatever it is. Yeah. And those people can seep into that. Mm-hmm. Because they're coming there to see if you're going to fail. And yep. when you're not, they're out. You know, they're the people that, and that's okay. You know, because I've even known a lot of people on different projects in my life that have, you know, called me to be like, "Hey, can I talk to you?" Whatever. God, I just had so-and-so walk off or so-and-so you know just say they hate the project you know just like random stuff which when you see it let's say in the media when someone leaves something it's some media spun story by a publicist you know so you don't really know what it was right but it's you know there's there's also those instances where people will filter into your project and the same types of trauma bonded people they come to think like okay it's another little piddly project that isn't going to be anywhere Mm -hmm. and that's cool because i can still do me 
you know, I can still do, you know, do whatever shitty activities I did on the side while I was <laughs> dreaming about being a filmmaker or an actor. But then when you're like, no, it's not like that. It's at this level and it requires this work. They're like, okay, well, F you, I'm out. Right. Yeah, over the past year, like year and a half, I've been doing a lot of things to better myself, going to a therapist, and I feel like my life in the past year and a half has been so much better. You know, I've been doing you know a lot of cool things with the podcast, expanded my audience, the types of people, and now I look back at like people that were in my life before, and I'm like, I'm kind of like when you just say an idea, when you're just kind of like brainstorming ideas with your friends. Now I'm looking back and I'm like, yo, I hate all these people because they were, <laughs> yeah, because they were, you know, sort of putting down my ideas in a certain way. Yes. Like, instead of putting down, how about, you know, we all go, okay, how can we make this happen? Yes. Even if it's like, hey, I wanted to, uh, I've always been someone that's always wanted to, like, move to Toronto. And I always get the thing, well, it's just expensive there. Or there's always something, you know. It doesn't matter what it comes, there's always something that someone wants to say. How about we just say, how can we make this happen? Yeah, how or, can we support you in that dream? Yeah, what you know, what information do you need to make that dream a little bit closer? But you know, those people are people that just can't do it themselves, but they want to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Any anyone that has that shit to say to you is somebody that secretly really wants to do it, but doesn't have your drive or dedication. Right, so right. They're mad and bitter about it, which you know isn't to take away from you know I know that this is definitely a worthwhile topic because so many people deal with it in their work, in their personal lives, whatever. But I feel also that so many of us as a is just a society, especially when you're in an industry like this where you do have to deal with critics and criticism and things yeah. like that. We for some reason are always so so much more enamored with the critics than the supporters. Yeah, it's it's nuts. You could have like a hundred people saying, Yo, your shit was tight, I love it. But that one person that said, Yo, that shit sucks will like ruin your day for yeah, and then Forever. that's, like, all you talk about. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I mean, just in life for, like, a week. You know, you'll be like, oh, God, Shelby, I can't believe that son of a bitch, you know? <laughs> Whereas, like, you're not really supporting all these amazing people that were the way more outweighed the bad, you know? So remembering those in a, in a moment of frustration or when people decide to be shitty like that is very important as well. Yeah, and I come from being a part of music scenes, and there was, a, like, a lot of that in it. It was a lot of smiles but no real support you know there's a few things there's a few people you always meet that are real 100 percent. they'll be down but a lot of people you're just like you can't talk to about anything you know you realize you don't have nothing in common with except for going out and getting drunk all the time you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like that was a lot of you know but then the past year or so that i've been meeting more like independent diy you know like creators of whatever whether it's like comic book creators illustrators whatever all these people kind of work together and they kind of like everybody has their own struggles but they're all kind of uplifting each other and always focusing on the good parts you know you know focusing on your supporters you know and just kind of being like eh okay that person didn't like it so whatever you know we gotta you know we gotta we gotta uplift each other you know yeah, absolutely. That's the name of the game. It's collaboration over competition. There's enough room for everybody. There's there is more than enough room for everybody. Like, don't let anybody else tell you there's, like, 
a slot or a whatever, you know. Yeah. There's room for all Not of us. Only that, but you could be doing you could be doing something and uh need people to to help you out. Right. In in one aspect or another, like needing extras on set to be And I remember this, people. I remember people that are good people, man. I don't and I remember people who are shitty, you know. So that's why like I, you know, if I even if I met you like years ago, you know, I'll like I remember the cool people, you know what I'm saying? So you never know who's watching, man. You never know who's gonna come up later on down the line, you know? Exactly. And I mean, you're looking for people now and now you're reaching out. Before it was, oh, I'm doing my thing, I'm doing my thing. You're not supporting me? Okay, cool, but I'm still doing my thing. And and people are going, Oh, well, okay. But now you need people. And where are they? And you're reaching out. Hey, we need we need extras um, for this day of shooting, and uh, crickets. Cricket, yeah, because you were shitty. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm messing with it, man. I, I'm going. Man. I don't have no. time. I, time I can't take person. off. You know, I'm busy doing. You but know, if a good what? person asks the same question. You know, it'd just be hand over fist, you know. Some people, yeah, it'd be hand over fist. Oh, I can do that. Let me, you know, let me move around some things. I'll come be an extra. That's cool. Not, not, it, and it's not even that. It's they're actors. They are actors. They want to act. They have said that their stated goal is to act, to be on a set, to have work, to have. I want to act. I want to, I'm an actor. Let me act. And here you are offering them, show up. We need you to show up on this day at this time. <laughs> Just show up and you will be in a production. You will have material for your reel at some point. If you do this one thing, it's called show up. Right. And people right. just do not. <laughs> right. Crickets. People just want to go like this. People want to go. And I used to always have this problem, too. This is something I worked out with my therapist is going from the, uh, you know, everybody wants to go from A to Z and not enjoy the journey. Right, or, or not do the work. Not do the work, enjoy the... Yeah, the, the work and the journey is the best part about it, most fulfilling part of it all, you Right, know? yeah, and that's that's another thing. I think in this industry, as much as it is a collaborative effort and you always need to make sure that you take care of people, I know there's a saying out there that says, you know, don't burn any bridges, light them motherfuckers on fire. Dude, there, yo, there is some that you need to, like... Because that shit's toxic. There's some you need to... Bye. You, you need that. You need that dragon in Game of Thrones to. Burn and that, that bitch doesn't. Down. And that doesn't mean be negative, be nasty. You know, it's just no. Yo, just cut it up, man. Just done. cut it off. You know, there's you know, no. It, do, it doesn't done. even need to be negative. Yeah, you just need. You need to like cut it off, like bury the, you know, put a bomb in there. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, because because that would be toxic, you know, and you don't want to go back to that shit. Yeah. And there's people I needed. I needed I needed my time and space away from and music and stuff like that because they were, you know, I care about them man, love them like brothers and sisters, whatever. But, yo, they were being mad toxic and it was seeping into my into my energy, man. So mm -hmm. I needed I need my space from those people, man. Some of them I don't even want to see ever again. There's people that were just always around that I'm like, yo. I don't ever want to see these people again. They and you look them. back and you're like, yep, there they were. Yeah. And, they, and they're still not doing shit. So whatever, you know. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like and even like Linda said, too, I think in this industry as a whole, you know, what people see, it's, which talked about the 25 year overnight success. 
it's there is so much work. Yeah, no one's an overnight success, man. They oh get, my god! For for what somebody is doing that got them that quote unquote overnight success is ten twenty years of grinding and and you know make you know learning your craft and networking and all this stuff. You know, it's like it's a it's like even with a regular job, you know, if you're uh, an electrician, you know, I'll like charge you X number of dollars to come fix your stuff. It might only take me five minutes, but you're not paying for that five minutes. You're paying for the 10 years of me doing it to be able to do it for in five minutes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is accurate. And there, as in other things, are oftentimes people that, like you said, want A to Z in two seconds with no work. Right. And it's it's always been mind boggling to me, which has happened on a handful of occasions, as any creator in film will tell you, period, just in history. You know, you say you want to be an actor so bad and you want to do this so bad and then you're given the opportunity, but it comes with a lot of work. It comes with this. It comes with that. If you want to do it. And then they're like, okay, but like, I don't want to do that. Okay. So like, Okay, wait, let's take it back. <laughs> do you want to do this or not? You know, instead of doing it half-assed, yeah. which won't get you anywhere. Um, and that, I think, when people talk about the 1%, that's really all it is, is the people that just do the work. And there's a lot of work. I remember even when I was just acting, I will never forget, I was driving back to Detroit from Chicago from an audition that I had to go to the audition and a call back in the same the same day to the audition and a call back um, in the morning came came back home got clothes went to a play rehearsal went back to another call back drove back did the play um, had a short film to film all in one day and I was in my car on the freeway doing an interview on the phone and I hung up and I was like, I get where the hell Mariah Carey was coming from with exhaustion. <laughs> right. I get it. I mean, oh my God. I And then it's like a whole week packed of other shit to do. But that's what you do if you want to make it. You know, there is no, that that is what gets you to the 1%. That is what you see on TV. That is the success. Right. And I always knew that. But I was like, geez, I get it now. I get it. Yeah, you know it to a certain extent. But when you do it, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, and then you can start sort of budge- budgeting your energy at that point to try to to try to at your in your best in your best way to sort of kind of moderate it, you know? Yeah. To be able to like, okay, I can let me I can do this amount of stuff and not burn myself out, even though you might still burn yourself out, but you can try to to you know moderate a little little bit of it. Yeah, I've definitely struggled with the burnout doing the show just doing everything i gotta do you know so yeah like you do a lot yeah you're doing a lot of stuff and how do you sort of deal with you know creative block and stuff like that how do you get started on something new that you have to do like for me i'm i have like a ton of ideas of different artistic things that i want to do I can do the podcast easy because I have a routine with it. I know what I need to do. I have a process and a routine. But for other things, I'm kind of like, dude, how do I get this thing started, man? Like, how do you sort of deal with getting yourself started? 
I love, uh, there's a quote right now that a lot of people are talking about that I've seen a lot from Amy Poehler, who I love and will work with one day. Hello, Amy. Um, Hi, Amy. Um, you're never ready. Right. You're never ready. If you wait till you're ready, you're never going to do it. So it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting comfortable with being unsure and getting comfortable with just fucking doing it, whether or not you have it all together. Um, Getting comfortable with potentially failing. Absolutely. And really, what is failure? Failure is just a lesson. And, and yeah. That it's it's a it's just a figuring shit out, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's a sign from life going. Okay, so maybe to go this way instead. And you know what I love? I love those people who will criticize you about you're not doing it right, and why would you want to be involved in that project, you or that other project, and not going anywhere, and don't really see the point. Blah blah blah. And yet, where's the stuff that they tried to do? It's right. completely non-existent. See- where's your show? Right. I don't see it, bro. Right. I can't talk about your failures because you never tried, bitch. You didn't do anything. Okay? <laughs> oh, what about your show? Oh. I'm going to pass this over real one. quick. <laughs> yeah. But no, the funny thing is about like just things that were like kind of, you know, not there yet. A lot of the biggest shows of all time had slow starts. Hell yeah. Like. I was I just saw like uh I didn't read the the had uh, the article but there, it was an article about how you know the Big Bang Theory was a really slow start it really wasn't a good show at the beginning and they had to pay um, people to sit in the audience yeah it was and now it's one it's the one of the longest running shows has a million episodes is going to be in syndication forever and big shouts to the director he's from Michigan whoop 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 yeah it's stuff like that where there there was shows that were very underwhelming at the beginning that that w- was able to stay around and become something you know so you really you know you can't you can't if someone's doing something man unless it's downright offensive you know just see where it's going you know if they can still still do it you know maybe there is people that, that like it you know there's 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 music shit there's people that i know that do, do music shit that i don't i don't like their stuff but they're still doing stuff you know oh, and yeah. i i gotta like hey man you're still doing it, man. You're, uh, you know, you're still, you know, putting in the work, you know, cool. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, that's another thing too, is uh, it, there's a big difference between criticism and just being negative, you yeah, know? Being a dick. Right. And even there's a line between positive criticism and negative criticism. And people know that, you know, are in any type of creative industry for long enough that when you really start kind of going somewhere, like I remember being on sets, big sets, studio sets, where people were screaming. I'm talking screaming at you. Time is money. Time is money. You have one more fucking take. Let's go. And they have like five million dollars on this day. You got to get it in the next five minutes or you're out. And that's the business side that some people don't get. You know what right. I mean? So there's a big. I try and provide a leeway on our sets you know like there are some people like linda that will memorize a whole scene with monologues and everything and can come in and do it one take there's some actors that can't so you know we'll break it up we'll do whatever but you know it's all about being clear that you know as we mentioned before when you keep working 
every different level of your life is going to require a different version of you. Yeah. And if you want to go beyond this and find more success, you will have to become a different version of yourself. That means you can't keep doing what you're doing right now. This is a leeway that's being provided. Right. Yeah. That's something that I totally right. s- struggled with my whole life, <laughs> basically. You know, it's like, who am I? What am I doing next? What What is this? What is this that I'm doing going to provide me? What are these people in my life right now? Because, you know, a lot of people in your life are just, they, they're just going to be in your life at that time, you know? They're not, you know, sometimes we like get bummed out about our friendships because we drift, drift apart from people. When you got to realize, hey, we're all getting busy, you know, like, right. you know, chill out, you know, stay in touch if you can. But maybe you guys don't talk every week, maybe talk every month or whatever. But yeah, you got to like figure out what what that version of you is going to lend to the next version of you and not and not be a dick about it or not be dick to anybody else about it. Yeah. And then understanding that. If you want to keep evolving, you have to keep changing. And, you know, that's another thing I'm learning about myself just as a human being through doing this. I've never been a creator of a show before. So <laughs> right. I'm figuring it out, you know, as I go. I never even wanted to be a director. I didn't want to write. I didn't want to do any of this shit. But it was what was required of me to become what I wanted to be. So I figured it out, you know, and I continue to figure it out. Whereas, you know, life will drop people just by nature of its existence when it then those people can't become versions of themselves like like um you know actors know if you've been on a bigger bigger film set or whatever you are expected to know every line and be off book as soon as you walk onto that set bigger sets you know what i mean so it's like okay you for this is just an example you can take this moment to learn for the next moment you know or um anything like they're not gonna sit on a on a bigger set and let you do 50 takes if you're not some huge star you know what i'm saying right there's just certain things that are not going to be provided but you know i want to keep it a learning experience for people so i leave spaces open but to the same in the same respect when you do something professionally and you want you want your project to become something better than just what everything else has been, you have to also become a different version of yourself. Hold people to different standards. Make sure everyone is continuously, you know, rising up or that can meet your standards. Because as a creator, you know, any creators out there understand you can't carry dead weight. You really can't. If you want your show or your project or whatever to thrive, you got to get rid of the shit that's weighing you down. Definitely. And people that bring everyone else down. And that's hard. That's hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. But it needs to be done. And those are one of the things that's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. And things about this industry that yeah, I've, I've had it said and I've, I've heard that, oh, actors are real sensitive people. And you have to be really careful with actors. When I was asking people about directing because like Mm -hmm. I have an emotional deficiency so I don't understand a lot of that like I really love directness and I I personally cannot understand something if someone beats around a bush do you know what I'm saying right like just fucking say it yo (laughs) you're off your mark get the fuck on your mark okay sorry you know what I mean but um so that's a learning curve to figure out how to deal with people but also not take shit because there's a, a line between okay now this project is in question because of the allowances that I'm affording 
X, right. Y, and Z person, you know? And yeah, when you're, your yeah, when you're doing a chair gang, even from the beginning, how do you keep, how did you keep it a serious professional environment while still, you know, having fun doing it? But how do you, you know, even if it's, you know, at the beginning where some people might, might be like, oh, this is just a small show, just the beginning of something, whatever. Who cares if we don't do this or do that, you know? How do you, you know, kind of keep things on the mark that you want, a, a certain level of quality, uh, when even from the beginning doing that? Being comfortable with people potentially not liking you. Um, not being afraid to say no without an explanation um and holding other people to standards and and putting other people in the best way possible in a position where they can either grow or leave um because then that questions everything else you know and puts everything else in question we do things i mean we do media day we do outreach we do commercials we do a lot of other things and yeah i mean on set it's it's on anyone knows being on set i i've just never understood why it takes like two hours to move lights <laughs> I, you know what i'm saying like just being on sets period like as an actor yeah. personally i remember being on sets and be like god this is unreasonable you know for x y and z thing yeah yeah um so i try and make those changes um it's about people um I, I the whole cast and crew is just awesome that we have right now and everybody really understand like like Linda was saying everybody that's there right now actually wants to be there you know they really want to be actors they want to be a part of this and that helps no one's thinking like oh this is just a little fun little hobby I'm coming here to do I mean I don't know what's in their mind I should hope not um but if that's the case then time will tell and you know peace and blessings but we'll see you later you know next time um but yeah it's just it's if you really want to be in this industry, then you do understand and you have a faint understanding somewhere that it's going to require a hell of a lot of work. And I know what everything I did and I'm doing right now with chair gang are things that when I was just an actor, I would have given my left fucking arm to have a project do for me and to be able to be a part of a project where I can use it to my advantage and use the commercials, use the media days, use all types of different yeah, talk more about that. What you, what you want to help fulfill with the people that are on, that, that are working with you, you know, what sort of opportunities or just, you know, experiences you want them to leave there with. I we're working right now towards, you know, like distribution, distribution. So that's wonderful. And we've had a couple interested parties that we are in discussion with. Um, and so that's number one, you know, to create a plat create a show that we can have be distributed on a bigger streaming network, you know, right. broadly. So that's that's one. But really, honestly, the only thing that I can give people is experience and um, hopefully without having to, you know, sit down with each individual person and talk to them privately for like four hours about things um if they're serious they'll pick up what i'm putting down and they'll understand that oh okay i can do this this and this because you can't make anyone successful which is unfortunate you can't force anyone to do the work you even if you see someone that's so talented you can't force them to be professional you can't force them to as much as you try to you can't do it as much as you try to be encouraging right. you see something in someone and you're like, I've seen so many of those people, man. And you're like, 
you want to be encouraging you, you think they could do more but yeah I'd rather and, just get high all day yeah and every single <laughs> it's true and every single person the cast and crew right right at this moment i feel is is wonderful and um yeah there's a great energy with uh you know each and every episode with every with, with everybody yeah and everyone is a great human being i think they they very clearly understand the what is required of you on set how you're supposed to be that you know we as any set works as efficiently as possible and you know blah 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 like they get it they understand what it means when someone says we got to redo this or start from one or you know what i'm saying they get it everyone gets it and um you know as far as your question about opportunities to provide people it's really about you know i know where i want the show to go and um that will then open the door for people that choose to walk through it I received my first fan mail. Had, had nothing to do with chair gang, mind you. But I just want to say that, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half, two years ago, I received um, this request um, to send a uh, signed, an autographed headshot of myself to some fans in Hawaii. Ooh. I was so blown away. I posted that request on my refrigerator and, you know, I was just talking about it with my family. Did you have extra headshots? I did. Right. Okay. I did. Right. I, I whipped out <laughs> my headshot and signed it, you know, and, and you know, just um, was in turmoil over the right, you know, thing. Like, what know. do I say on this Right. Thing? What encouraging awesomeness do I put on this? But I just want to say that that is one of the things that Chair Gang offers to its actors fans and fans are awesome yes fans are i mean uh, there are some characters uh that were in season one who are no longer there the fans spoke up right away ah oh, we're gonna miss so and so thus and such are they coming back and you people get attached to the storyline to the characters as if they were real people. I mean, you know, people get into it. So, yeah, it's it's that opportunity to experience that wonderfulness. What going yeah, going into like, you know, characters and everything, you know, what's you know, what do you like about your character, you know, and what sort of feedback do you get from people? The thing that I like about Brie is that she is a hot mess. I have never been um, given the opportunity to play a character like this. And I mean, you don't so look like you're a hot mess, but then when you start talking, you're like, <laughs> what's she talking about? Brie is is amazing. She's 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 wonderful. She's um. A, a little sneaky, conniving, uh, very aggressive, uh, want, wants to get ahead no matter what. And But, you know, in the end, uh, she's just a little shit sometimes, and she just wants to be loved. Right. She's always, she's always doing the sneaky things, asking questions. You're like, and I'm like, uh, she, <laughs> I don't know if she's being sincere. What, what's, her, what's her game plan? Exactly. And the feedback has been, no, do not trust Brie. That, no. that shysty bitch. <laughs> I mean, there, there has been um, feedback that was very emotional, very passionate. And I love that. And right. I, I, I feel as though I got across. 
in, in a big way um, to, to those folks who are watching. You know, they whatever I was doing on set that day, whatever, you, you know, whatever I did really made an <laughs> impact. And I love it. Negative or not, I love it. When um, doing these episodes, and they're all short episodes, how do you feel like you were able to get these characters across to where your fans are, you know, having these connections with them? One of the things I think is really important is casting. Um, I cast from my intuition. I don't even look at a resume, usually. Um I can kind of just look at someone's picture and see, and then I might look at a reel or something, but I'm like, I mean, right from a headshot, I'll know. And, and, um, you know, and just speaking on the struggles because people understand it, like even simple things like people reading an actual casting breakdown, please include your headshot and resume, please include this. And then someone emails you with just like, want to be on the show. And no picture or anything. Yeah, I already know I'm deleting it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I get a lot of connections with people just based off a of little shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Is there an ease with this person? You know, is there, you know, how do, how do they talk to me? Am I feeling like I'm being, like, pitched a sale or something, you know, a sales pitch? You know, is it, there's all these little things, you know, and I could look at a, you know, their who their friends whatever but no i i just like the like the little personal little little things did they yeah did they like what did they say in their email you know um did they are did they are they even paying attention to my podcast <laughs> did they do any sort of research on my podcast <laughs> you know it's those, it's those little things you know i understand yeah absolutely and yeah it's in it's in casting and it's very much just I don't I I I don't feel like I need to do anything. I feel like everybody I've casted in this project knows their shit and is an outstanding actor. So it's literally just about okay guys, we need to do one more time from a different angle. Like <laughs> you know that's kind of it. Everyone really does great work without having to say really anything. I mean, sometimes it might be like a comedic direction about like but it might be funny if there's like a small pause or something. I don't know. Right. I think everyone's really just outstanding and and as actors, they're all of them are above and beyond. Right. So they they're it's all the credit goes to them, really, cuz they're the shit. And I think real stories. Um they're real uh anecdotes from life and um the fans connect with something that has happened to them in real life and when they see that portrayed by a character it's like ah, ha 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 Nina that's you did you see that and that's what makes it funny to you when when you relate so it's relatable it's relatable characters because the stories are relatable because that shit actually happened at some point in someone's life yeah, and I think, and I feel like um, outside of the show, just sort of like the promotion and outreach that you guys do is very, you know, you see a lot of energy with it. You know, when I when I first met you it was at the Rotten Tail premiere, and yeah, shout out to Source Point Press. Yeah, and I see, you know, I see her. She's looking so cute. She has green hair in a pinup girl way, and I'm like, I just had to tell her, I'm like, I love your hair, and then we just started talking. She just had a nice positive energy and then i'm like yo what's yo what the hell is chair gang she had a t-shirt on and she started telling me i'm like all right cool 
And I was like, cool. And I'm like, so it made me interested in going home and actually researching it and stuff. Because I get, you know, I meet a lot of people and sometimes, you know, I don't get the best vibe from them. Do I want to go home and research or stuff? No. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. But then sometimes I do, you know. I, look, I got see those, all those cards right there on my table. Those are all the people I met at the Comic-Con, you know. Yep. And so, like, those people, I'll go, you know, look up their stuff, you know, and and see if they're, you know, cool people, you know. So, But, yeah, I feel like the stuff that you do outside the show, whether it's just doing, you know, f Facebook, you know, live videos or the personal appearances, you know, really lend to getting people you know, bringing people in to at least think about it and check out the show. There's so much that's being done. There's there's Comic-Con, there's Facebook Watch, there's outreach, there's a contest, there's polls on, on Facebook. There are so many different angles that um, April is um, utilizing and coming from, and it all snowballs. And I don't think a lot of people do that, like go that vast you know not only that but i want to say there i haven't seen any females in the midwest doing that i know a lot of females in the midwest who are um making their attempt at directing um independent projects but no one with the veracity of april washko <laughs> Dude, i'm I was impressed with her the moment I met her. I was just like, she's impressive. I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go check out this show. I have to. Right. And so there's there's that initial vision and intensity, but the thing is, she never stops. And it, it just keeps going and going and and it's the next thing and it's the next thing and it's the next thing and it this I have seen the snowball. <laughs> And I have stood in awe. <laughs> the snowball is gathering speed down the hill, and, and it is wonderful and terrifying. Right. In April, like, is someone, you know, being such a busy woman, doing so many things, and I definitely love a busy woman. Like, I've had really bad experiences with... A song. I that, that was the first line right there. I love a busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling you, because every, every, in the past, so many of the women I've dated... Had way too much time on their hands. Oh, now you really need to write a song. <laughs> the second line right there. <laughs> <laughs> way too much time on their hands. So I'm just generally impressed by really busy women. But how do you continue to be a busy woman but not be have a chaotic life? How do you keep things sort of grounded and not, you know, get, and not not everything get out of control? You know, because I feel like being busy and being chaotic can be. Uh, yeah, we just did a we just did a scene where Bree screams at in the camera. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. An episode. Um, I think for for me and anyone else in that position or this position, it's it's consistently practicing surrender. Because if you hold attachment to too many things, no matter how many, th you know, being busy and being attached to a thousand things are different. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be working on something and, and let it pass through you and, and do it without holding attachment to it. So it's been a practice for me of consistently releasing attachment and surrendering. Um, Very and Buddha of you. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but it's necessary. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely necessary. It's so hard because you'll think about something like, 
you know, I'll, I'll start thinking about like right now we're supposed to start rating season four and I'll think about like, oh my God, I guess already season four. Oh my God, that's 26 episodes. They're all going to be 20 minutes. Oh my God. And I'll start getting crazy about it. I should it start isn't now. procrastination or being lazy. It just literally, you know what? Like not being attached to it and literally being like, all right, maybe I can't do it right now, but I'm going to take time then to do it you know or absolutely yeah it's not being it's not procrastinating it's not trying to control not can be able to control because sometimes it's just, just trusting sometimes you just can't control your you know your creativity or time there's some things you just can't control so you almost have to like just let it be you know just yeah surrender yeah. like you said yeah practicing um mindfulness practicing um like i meditate every day um a couple times a day if i need to um, to help release things. I'll do yoga. Yeah, I love doing yoga. Yeah. Um, I'll take a walk when I'm able to. You know, I mean, sometimes it's like I just am so busy. But yeah, it's, walks are great. Yeah, it's being very diligent with your, you know, time management, understanding like, okay, every day you allot yourself from this time to this time to do this and this time to that time to do this and planning. There's a lot of people that, that waste their time doing things that they're, they think they're supposed to be doing, but it really doesn't help out what you're supposed to be doing at the time, you know? It's kind of a, like, it's just going through some motions, I guess, you know? Well, and I think that depends on someone's goals. Yeah. You know, like, you can't say that you want to have, um, myself as an example, you can't say that you want to have a, a show on Netflix or Hulu or any other network if you would like to play 2K all day instead or watch Netflix all day instead or go on dates or have kids or do, you know which all those are fine those are absolutely wonderfully amazing right but pick because you're not going to be able to do the level of work that's required of you if you'd rather sit and play video games all day or sit and binge your next series you know i love that gary v i love him and he says that you know like that's totally cool for you to do you can do it your life is your choice but don't then bitch about it right so um pick because you have to give up a lot of shit in order to be successful and it requires telling friends sorry i just can't go sorry i can't talk you know i'm not you you pick it's like your relationship you can't spend that much time with that person you can't do all the things you used to do you literally have to rewire your life around your goal and that's totally okay for someone not to do but then don't bitch about it so that's really what it is too about being successful is picking what you need to do doing it and um, dedicating yourself to that and just accepting what is and what happens and surrender it. Don't try and control it. Just let it be. Right. Definitely. How, you know, what's your experience with your character on Chair Gang? You know, what was, what was sort of the idea of what you wanted to be on there? And how did, how did, how did, how, how did you sort of, did you need any feedback from any other people to sort of find out what that character was going to be since, like, you're the person who created the show? No. I do a lot of my own research, and I just trust my gut. And um, I – so as I was doing it, I knew, okay, I have to do it like the – I have to do it in the style of The Office because we don't have the budget for anything else. We just don't. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you work within the parameters of what you have. The parameters of what we have is I'm not going to get a camera that I can't like I'm not going to do something with a camera that just doesn't look right. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to try and make this look like what it ain't. 
I'm going right. to play with where we're living. So we're going to make this an office style. That's going to be the easiest to edit. It's going to be the easiest for the actors. It's going to be the easiest to sell to a distributor um, with the where we're living, you know, with what we have. Yeah, so, you do with what you can. You absolutely. Know? Yeah. And it turned perfect. Everyone loves it. Everyone, it, we're going sky high. But um, when I was writing characters, I just jotted shit down. But I knew, okay, what are we playing with? The parameters of what we're working with is like the office, like Parks and Rec. Okay. So what does that mean? I needed to look at the people that created this, the people that started this. Who is that? Ricky Gervais. So I went and researched Ricky Gervais as much as possible. And I watched interviews and I watched um, him and his creative partner. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot his name. Um, and interviews they did. And Ricky was talking in an interview about um, how he does his casting and how he writes his characters. And he had said he just writes it as close to himself as possible. He'll just he'll he'll just pick shit where it's easier. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, you know, um, just write it real. Write it like a real person. Don't make it fake and weird. Um, I forget the exact um, exactly what he said. But to my what I absorbed from it was to make it as close to yourself as possible um, and something you can easily play so there's no fucking way I would try and play Cassie okay you know like that ain't me that's not me in a million years <laughs> right. I can't I can't do it you know um, especially I also knew with the amount of work I would have I'm not going to be able to dedicate as much as an actor to this project mentally and emotionally as I would if I was just an actor yeah. so um Alyssa's for me easy oh my god do you know how easy it is to be a bitch and to be emotionless and for me not saying this for everybody but for me um and I really like her truth I like that she speaks to a lot of people I love people's um how people um receive her you know as god I've always wanted to say that which is the character I kind of wanted to play anyway um yeah you're, you're the character that you're like oh my god I can't believe she just said that that's what I wanted to say at my yeah. job. Right, right. And um, just um, strategically, she is easier for me to play doing what I'm doing now, you know, with the amount of work. Thank you for letting me say something. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a goddess, so. True, true. Um, watching the first episode of season one, I remember the feeling of, oh, my God, is she going to say it? I want her to say it. I want her to say it so bad. Oh, gosh, say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it. And then you would say it. And I'd be like, yes, <laughs> she said it. So, yeah, there is that cathartic um, feeling when you have that one character that you know is going to say the thing that you want them to say. Like, say and then it. it happens. Do it. Do yes. It. Ah, she said. How, but how close is that character to you in real life? Do you feel? Oh, yeah, real close. <laughs> oh yeah real close um yeah real close i um Alyssa's probably a little more quiet i i mean i i come from a background just personally of a lot of like craziness and, and wildness and um one of my things as a person is just learning the difference between i mean i'm i'm very much somebody that'll be like like i said yo i'm very direct super direct i've been that way my whole life um that you know I don't, I'm, I'm trying to, under, I, I've been through a learning process with myself. It's like, I don't get why people don't get that. Like, or people don't like that. Like, I don't, I don't understand. So, um, Alyssa's a more, a little more direct version or maybe a younger version of me. You know what I mean? Before I kind of did my learning and, maybe a little and introspection. Up, maybe a little amped up version of you. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think Alyssa's very trapped as well. You know, she's stuck in a job she doesn't like, and she doesn't really know where to go. Whereas I know where I'm going, um, and there's happiness and joy in that path. When you feel trapped and and stuck and like you have no out, that's when you are miserable, right? You know, but also that's what I like about her that she's like trapped in a job that she hates. And that's as I am so related. And it really, it's and relatable. Relate. It's relatable. And a lot of things she says, I'm like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, she is very much learning. And I, I think one of the things that I, I really like about her that is a reflection um, of a lot of people is learning forgiveness. You know, she's trying to learn forgiveness for that character and that we haven't met yet. Um, and I think that she is a representation of um, somebody that is very standoffish and quiet and you always think the toughest person has it all together and they don't they're probably the most vulnerable you know right um so there's definitely storylines potentially around that as well which um it's just it's cool that every character it was intended to start off kind of more of like a viral series you know give some crazy stuff people can share and be like oh my god who just threw what you know um and then as it goes and we grow an audience to get deeper and and more involved and yeah like quote unquote real story and real show, which is where it's going now. So that's really yeah. Cool. Like the the first season, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot more humor, a lot of like just weird shit happening. But as the the, the season went on, when season two, you know, got got a lot more deeper with stuff. Um, you know, talk about the sort of progression in the storylines. They're definitely necessary, and it's something that is supported by the fans because I didn't want to create like a 25, 30-minute series for not the correct number of people. Um, that's a lot of work when there's no one for it. You know, It's like uh, the supply-demand. You have to equalize it. Right. So um, when the fans started really demanding, hey, these are too short. We want them long. I was like, oh, all right, sweet. Now we're here. You know, let's do this. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, the process is really it was always set up from the beginning, the certain characters to have them um, potentially evolve. And those are in like writers meetings and brainstorming and, and all those things. And you didn't want to just do stupid shit every episode no. for, you know, it eventually will just you you're just eventually just trying to shock you know do more than the previous episode who right. how can we shock you you know them more you know when you've already like this is what a vagina looks like you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but, but you know no it's great <laughs> how many right. times can you do that you yeah. know but uh no it, it's definitely great that you're you know developing these characters and also developing stories where like there's a character that hasn't even been on the show yet that has been a part of it, you know, so you're wondering, dude, like, who's the, like, who's this person going to be, you know? Who's and, Anne? Like, who's, like, who the fuck's Anne, you know? And, mm -hmm. what, you know, what, you know, we're getting little bits of why she was, who she was, and why she was important to the story and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got a vision of Anne in my head. I want to see if it's, you know, in any way similar at all. <laughs> That's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. She's going to, when she find yeah, she's gonna be like, boom, here's mm, it. Yep. But um, no, no, do I do? I definitely like that. There's something that you know, to you know, that we're kind of growing with as we're uh, re watching the show, and there's something to, to you know, anticipate. 
Yeah, and, and I look forward to, which we've already kind of implemented a little in seasons and episodes, episodes and seasons that will be coming out, is um, storylines and backgrounds of people that you might necessarily not talk about or people don't really know or, you know, you hear about it, but you don't know that person. Um, and they're quite deep. And what I found in the hair community and uh, hair stylists period is they're all deeply empathetic people and they've all got really interesting backgrounds like one of my friends I can't even tell you how many people she's watched died like under a, like she's like yeah there was some lady she had a seizure another one died some dude came in with a gun like what like they just have crazy stories hair salon stories, hair salon stories. and just hair people salon. like she real, and real just shit human yeah. beings like they've been through some shit like at hairstylists for some reason have been through the ringer as human beings and it, I want it to reflect accurately in these people and just That's not necessarily thing, as dramatic, man. Like, but like just crazy shit happens, man. And like what's some, some feedback that, that you've gotten from people who've watched the show who uh, aren't aware of the, the, the actuality of the show? Um, just weird questions that people have asked you. Uh, for instance, for me, um, this one person that I became acquainted with, acquainted with and knew that I was on the show uh, a couple of weeks later just asked me so you're a, you're a hairstylist and I'm like no <laughs> it's a good actor yeah. are, are you really a right that's a big question <laughs> like, a like, lot of people thought we were a lot of people were like where do you film this where's the salon at like, they thought we were a real hairstylist which is can we come in there and can like, kind of be a part of this? There was one woman, and I believe it was from like, I, I want to say like Wyoming or something. You know, we were looking, and she's like, what's the address? What's the phone number? Where can I? I'm talking post after post. And I, I finally on one, I was like, it's fictional. It's just a show. And people are like, what? Like, <laughs> what? But that's such an amazing testament to all the actors and the realism that you like, don't look at it and think, and oh, this is acting. See, see some crazy shit going on, you know? And I want to hear all these women yelling at each other. Like, where yeah. can I can, – can I get a haircut? <laughs> yeah, like, they want to request their – like, can I get an appointment with and, – and the lady that owns the location we film at, we had that conversation about, you know, I don't necessarily want to make it public because you're going to be having a thousand people call for Lissa and Brie <laughs> and all of your actual stylists are going to be like this shit is no. some bullshit you know so right. yeah it's very interesting though it's very very fun there was there was one there was a thing that actually happened one of the episodes that I'm like is this is this a real service it's the the really douchey guy that came in for, to you know, get his his, his genitals uh, oh like wax, like get like a Brazilian, but for a dude, is that something that like can get done at? Do people is that um, an actual service anywhere? It is. Um, <laughs> it is. It's not very popular because of the sexual harassment that is often correlated with it. Right. Actually. I'll go ahead and share this with your audience. Um, there is a thing. I'm not a waxer. I'm not certified in waxing. I'm not an esthetician. But I do know a lot of friends that are. There is a big thing. They've kind of banned Brazilians, a lot of women, because of, again, the sexual harassment that comes yeah. with it. But there is like this weird influx that, I guess, one by one, style, waxers are talking about it with each other. There's this random thing happening where dudes will call and request to have 
their entire Brazilian area plucked. Okay? Wait, that's like a turn-on type of situation. That's the why why they request it. Now, stylists, or not stylists, I keep saying that, estheticians, waxers, don't, they, they're like, oh, okay, whatever. So now it's kind of becoming commonplace that they're passing it around. If some weirdos call you to get plucked, every hair plucked, please turn it down. Um, because that's a huge, big red flag. So yeah, that's a, that's kind of a new one. I just found out myself. I might make it into a show somewhere somehow. I don't know. Yeah. When I saw that part, like they, the dude wanted his, his privates waxed. I was like, that's something that w- someone will go in and ask for. Yeah. There's a, we can, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the common things about people that do Brazilian waxes period is poop. Like people don't wipe appropriately and like oh, yeah, smears like dingleberries and on women and men. They're yeah. like, what, you know, it's like a common thing. Like a thread will be like a post. Hi guys. So I'm just wondering what kind of wipes work best for like poop smears on butts and stuff because, or what kind of like, pa- I'm like, this is so nonchalant, I guess. Okay. That's a problem. That's a thing. So there's literally a never ending supply of stuff we can put in the episodes. and you don't have to be a stylist or a woman or whatever to enjoy it or to think it's funny or like be like what you know it's just like a interesting insight into service work and what people that work with that's another thing cool too you don't yeah you don't have to be in that service to to really enjoy the show um definitely because of the sort of the underlying stories you know associated with everything like yeah that's what that's what i really enjoy you know there's humor there's really you know crazy shit you know it's like, and also like the time when apparently you got caught with a lot of drugs in your car. Stacy, that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm like, wait a minute. How did she get out? See, and that's that <laughs> bullshit because that happens. Like shit, if, if you get have a car and someone else put a bunch of drugs in it, you're screwed. So, yeah, it's one of those situations. I mean, I know Pauline called Anne, so, I mean, maybe Anne has something to do with it. I don't uh, know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. So, when, you know, with everything that you, you know, with this show, everything that you're, you know, doing, what do you, you know, what are your plans for the future, you know? Is there anything that you feel like that you want to do that's in your mind that you want to do in the future that, with this show or outside of this show that you hope that this journey that you're on will take you to? Yeah, absolutely. I have um, like seven feature film scripts written and done, and they're all different genres, so that's awesome. Nice. Yes, and um, easily pitchable. And, um, you know, step one is for, you know, again, I'm trying to surrender and release and just let the universe do what it's going to do. But to, um, you know secure distribution with like a Netflix, a Hulu, whoever, whatever good streaming network decides to chat with us about it. And um, from there, just to use my platform to keep creating, you know, cre- creating stuff, creating shows, creating movies, putting people on that need it, you know, that, you know, necess- don't might not have the most perfect resume to be seen. There's a million um, filmmakers and actors and directors and creative people that deserve a job and a place and um, through all my opportunities that I'm afforded I want to give them a shot and give them an opportunity so I just want to keep paying it forward and helping other people grow if they choose to if they want to and keep moving on up 
I'm going to basically own the industry. That's kind of what I'm saying. Sweet. What what advice would you have to, you know, young women, young girls out there that are thinking about whether being an actress or Aww. going <laughs> or I saw little April with glasses going, I want to do that. <laughs> but no, what, what sort of advice would you have to anybody that wants to It doesn't even have to be, you know, in doing film or a TV show, any sort of creative outputs. You know, a lot of this can be male dominated there's you know there's still remnants of the old boys network that exists you know from your experiences what's you know what sort of advice would you have to any young women out there well thankfully um now this is after the me too movement and after rose mcgowan was so brave to speak out and as were so many other people about the shit that goes on in the film industry when i was in california it was before that so I'm quite certain things have changed. I don't know. I haven't been there since. But I can only imagine that the entire climate has changed because of the doors that have been broken down because of brave women that decided to speak about a lot of things that were previously silenced. So first, I want to commend them for being brave. Um, the things that even just Rose McGowan has said she had to go through were absolutely horrendous and are unexcusable. So um, thank you to her and all the other women that finally spoke on it to make our journey easier. But um, with that being said... I think it's just um, being honest and being brave and not waiting for it to be right time, quote unquote, you know. Um, you know, I, I think as a society, women are told to always be polite and be kind. And to, like, uh, I remember an episode of Oprah was talking about that. Like, that's the reason why women get murdered and, and shit. You know what I mean? Because they're not, you'll be standing outside of an elevator and somebody goes in and you're like, oh, my gut is telling me something's very wrong. But to be polite and not look rude, you're going to go in. Yeah. You know, or someone's asking you, hey, can I get your number? Can I get your number? Can I get? And you're going to be, oh, ha, 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 Instead of being like, shut up and get away. You know what I mean? Because you want us to be seen as polite, not rude. Don't be afraid to be rude. Don't be afraid to be seen as a bitch. Don't be afraid to be seen as unpolite. I remember a mentor I have. Um, the very first project I worked on where I had to be making really big decisions and um, risk getting people upset. People were saying left and right, oh my God, she's a bitch. She's a total bitch. I think truly, again, this was before the Me Too, that they hired me because of what I look like and thought that they could use me as arm candy to get money from financiers. But when I started working and securing distribution deals, that's kind of when I started getting being called nasty things and um i sat with her and she's like you know what i want to take you out to dinner let's go so she took me out to dinner and she's working in this industry for a very long time and she sat with me and she's like you know what sweetheart don't ever be afraid to be called a bitch if anything go get a crown and wear it proudly that says i am a bitch if you're doing your work and you're getting your job done that is all that will ever matter get some, biz get some business cards that says i'm a bitch right and and you know and and it's and that's not to you know excuse negativity on anyone's side but don't be afraid to make decisions don't be afraid to call the shots don't be afraid to um just be powerful and be present yeah don't be afraid to do that you know the world wants to make people small because they're afraid of their greatness so don't allow that be um unabashedly yourself and be unafraid to be loud and make a scene and make waves po po positively you know in a, in a beautiful way right, right. but um yeah my advice is do it and and don't apologize and don't um worry don't worry about failure don't worry about anything just do it and as you go be open to learning and find in everything good and bad what you've learned from um um 
be nice and be kind within the parameters of never allowing it to infringe on your self-respect and what you need, what you know needs to be done. And just don't be afraid. And if you're a young woman out there and you are journeying into this industry, hit me up because it's about collaboration, not competition. Let's work together. Do you you have anything to add, my goddess? (laughs) Yes. I'm going to say, say yes as often as possible because I have been asked to do things that I didn't think that I could do, but because I said yes and because I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it, I ended up doing something and then getting better at it when... Whereas if I had stopped and said, ah, I don't think that I'll be good at that. Ah, I don't think I'm good at improvisation. I've never really done that a bunch. I mean, in most cases, the worst that could happen is it was a learning experience. You failed and just so true. Maybe you just don't do it again, you know, but most part, you know, give it a try. Exactly. My greatest learning experiences have come from just saying yes. Like when April tells me, um, you are having a, a crisis um, as Brie and you've just eaten way too many pot brownies and I've never had a pot brownie in my life and I'm just like, yes, okay, I'm going to do that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You know? Oh, I can't wait for that episode. Just just do it and it, it'll work out. Just jump in there. Jump in there, both feet, and mistakes are your best friend. And that's the part that I wanted to add. Mistakes are your best friend. And she does. I will say Linda's always like, all right. You can see it in her face, too. When she, You can see it. Because she's kind of like, she got the question in the eyes. And then she's like, okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Let me know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. All right. Yep. I'll, I'll try my best. Let me awesome. See. In April, you've, um, you know, definitely on social media, you've been open about a lot of your past struggles, definitely when you were younger as a kid and whatnot. How much of that goes into the work that you do? whether it's with Chair Gang or with any of the other scripts you said that you've written or any, or just, you know, building this platform that you're building right now? I think every, everything in life, um, you can, again, use as a learning opportunity and you can grow into the person you want to be or you can allow it to consistently let you set yourself back. I think more than anything, um, Acting itself in in this industry, I'm learning how to properly human, if that makes sense. Because I I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, the traumas that I've dealt with in my life and the abuse and the addiction and things. Um, I guess psychologists would probably have a better definition of it or explanation of it. But I'm like a human seven of nine. For you, you know, some Voyager folks out there, like I really identify with her. I'm like, she can't feel really anything. She's just like, yeah, but I said it. I don't know why they're upset. Like, I don't. There's certain things about your upbringing that created sort of holes in your life. Yeah. You know? just, just like, just like these say, um, cause this is something I talked about with my therapist mm. too. You know, know how like, um, with athletes, they're like, yo, that basketball player is good, but he has a lot of holes in his game and stuff like that. You know, we have that in life. Yeah. Where they're just things we didn't pick up on for whatever reason, you know, whether our parents didn't teach us or there was a rough childhood or something. There's something that we didn't or figure got damaged. out. Yeah, or it got damaged. Broken. You know, we just didn't figure out that, you know, 
we got to, you know, when we're adults and realize that we got to kind of figure out how can we sort of grow that part of us, yeah. you know, later on in life, you know? Yeah. And this industry is definitely affording me growth, um, which is weird because I always knew I wanted to do this, but I never really got why. I never knew why. I was just like, whatever, I'm supposed to do it. You know, I don't know. It just this is always something I have to do. And then being on films and projects, I can't even I think the first time I actually really cried, I was 28 years old. And I remember being like, damn, this isn't this is what crying is, you know, but it right. was for, you know, like um, working through films and projects with other creative people because actors are empathetic people. They feel emotions. Yeah. They do emotions all day. And I never really got that because I'm I'm emotion deficient. Um, so this industry is helping me re-emote and f- connect to my emotions. Yeah. So that's really wonderful. But I also think different things like, as you mentioned, um, my past as far as. You know, when I was younger and moving away from drug addiction, it was before the conversation was as open as it is. So, um, you know, anything from my drug addiction to my self-injury was not talked about. And it was something that, you know, even the pills I was doing and all of that, it was like, well, There was a stigma with that, you know, where you're a bad person. And it didn't exist. Yeah. Because I was young. Yeah. And that's, oh, kids are just being weird and yeah, you're just being a kid whatever yeah. you'll grow out of it you and know. i remember distinctly my parents telling me they were too embarrassed of me to ever admit i had a problem yeah and stuff like that like right so it's like okay and, and then it was me looking at myself after you know suicide attempt one or two that said i'm gonna die like i'm this is going to kill me i am this is going to kill me i'm going to die so if I don't figure my shit out, I'm going to die. And to make that decision at like 16 or 17 is tough. And then to go, okay, here's what I need to do because I have no support. I have no family. I have no one anywhere Yeah. about figuring out how to get sober. How do you, And this is before the fucking internet and smartphones and all that shit. Like, yeah. how do I do this? I don't even know how to do this. I don't I don't know how to get sober. I don't know how to get clean. And I'll just, okay, I just won't take it. And I'm laying in bed puking and having the shakes. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just figure it out. And, you know, you don't have support. People, family, parents, whatever, tell you, ah, shut up. You're fucking joking. You're joking. You're being dramatic. Get up and deal with it. Or, you know, whatever other shit you have to deal with. So I just think those types of things... Um, can either kill you or make you. And so I guess I just I just um, f- use that to go towards, I don't know. So I, if I can do that, then I guess working for this is really nothing. Then that's, that's it. Right. It's like if you're down that path where you feel like this is going to kill me, you know, you're like, and you know you want to get better, you can be like, hmm, what do I have to lose? Absolutely. I'm going to die anyway. So. Yeah, and that's literally <laughs> what it was. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I'm going to die or I'm going to live. It's one of two choices. They're both going to be really fucking difficult. Well, death is easier, right? Yeah. That's, I think. I mean, that gets into a whole other psychological aspect <laughs> of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, living is really hard. And it's painful and it's fighting and it's every day. And it's making correct decisions and changing, especially that young, changing your entire group of friends and all the decisions you make. And Yeah, that's a really tough. tough thing to do at that age because you're still trying to most you're still trying to figure out who you are. But then you're in this hole, you know, and you're like then you have no support and it's in this time when there's not easy 
like information out there absolutely and family pathologies are toxic when it comes to that you know even though even though like using myself as an example alcoholism runs through my entire family the fact that i was the one to say i'm an alcoholic and i need help was okay whatever there's four more y'all motherfuckers you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean this isn't a thing i'm the only one that talks about it that's cool but um so yeah it's it's you know I think um, a beautiful, beautiful quote that I heard the other day that I want to share is when it comes to that, um, someone said, oh, well, it just runs in the family. Okay, well, this is the time where I will make it run the fuck out. <laughs> so it's just fighting that and right. choosing yeah, yourself. There's a lot of toxic circles that go in, fa- go in the families that you're seeing a lot of people trying to break those cycles now, you know, mm-hmm. especially with women and people of color and people of, you know, different, you know, genders and sexuality, whatever they, you know, see themselves as. There's people that are finally, since there's more information out there and you're seeing there's more people like that, you're seeing people trying to break those cycles with their families these days. And it's Absolutely. really, it's really nice to see, mm-hmm. you know. I, um, I, rem- I remember most of my, like, adulthood, I was, like, I had this, I was struggling with a lot of weird things. But there's a lot of things. I, I realized I wasn't sort of feeling things emotionally as maybe I should. And then about two and a half years ago, I finally quit drinking. Congrats. Thank you. That's just hard, man. Good for you. And if, like, it was like a year of like half-ass trying to. Right. Like I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I didn't have one today. But then, yeah. Or this morning or an hour ago. But yeah. But then one night I just went out and I went to a show and I just drank so much. And then the next day. Like, the the switch just went off. You got it. The switch just went off, and I didn't want to do it ever again. So I'm like, all right. About four or five months afterwards, I'm starting to realize there's a lot of repressed feelings mm-hmm. that are coming up. I don't know how to handle this shit. Hell yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm actually feeling these feelings. They exist, but they were numbed by alcohol. And I didn't even realize that she was happening. So it's like when you talk about like getting reacquainted with your feelings and emotions, like I totally understand that because for so long, like I feel like alcohol was totally numbing that shit. So like I'm finding that I'm learning from and one of the greatest things is getting is is these creative communities. Yeah. Is that you're seeing all these people like uplift each other and be a community and not be competition and i'm like and you get emotional when you see your friends succeeding and stuff and i wasn't like that before you know i was happy for people but i didn't feel the emotion yeah so it's 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 cool that like you're at a point where you're figuring out your emotions now. Thank you. You as well, man. Congrats. Oh, Good thank you. you. Yeah, it's it's tough, but it's definitely a requirement. And it's something every day. You know, it, when I was really, really young, I started before anything was self-injury. So that's one of the things I think that like can really destroy you emotionally. Because there's no drugs involved. You know? It's literally just consistently slicing yourself open. You're Sorry totally for everybody. So- you're totally sober. Yeah. Like, doing the stuff to you. Yeah. Like, th- your mind is functioning the way your mind is functioning at that time and it sucks yeah and it's it's literally just to stop an emotion that's the only that's the point 
to stop an emotion. So when you do that, then as you grow up, I mean, I started at eight years old. So by the time I was like 15, I didn't know what sad was. Like, I couldn't even feel it. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what sad is. I don't know what fear is. I I remember being on a film set, on a horror film set, and literally sitting there going, I don't know what fear, I don't feel fear. Like, I don't understand it. I just genuinely don't get it. But that's from years of abuse and a lot of really dramatic things. And I'm like, I genuinely don't understand fear. I sat with the director for like 45 (laughs) minutes. I'm like, so like, I don't get it though. And he's like, okay, but what if you were in this situation? I'm like, but but so what? I don't get it. Like, I I still don't understand why I'm afraid. Explain to me why I'm afraid. Just fucking kill some bitch. You know, I don't know. Whatever. But um, yeah, so it's a lot of sets. I've been like, you know what? Just give me... Give me a give me a phone. Let me Google a clip and let me just like recreate what that person's doing because I don't know what this emotion is at all. But like you said, this community is so wonderful, and it's through this community and through creative efforts and endeavors and projects and characters that I've come into myself more, which is wonderful. I'm finding more of myself, and I can give that more to the cast and the crew and the our fans and all of that. Do you feel like you can be emotional about watching something? Or doing something now more so than in the past? Really the only thing I can find emotion for seriously is like an animal. That's it. That's it. I I can watch the saddest movie with humans. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I just, I don't, I just don't. But as soon as you put an animal in there, I don't care if it's, it's, <laughs> it's hurt or nothing. You put sad music behind it, it's over. I'm oh, like, kitty. I'm oh. done. But yeah, that's that's it. So I'm still definitely working on it. I've I've been able to cry, so that was step one. I don't. I, I mean, and I mean, this goes in acting, but for me, I also know because of my addiction past and my trauma past that I could never ever be an actor that was method. It wouldn't work. I'd probably go straight back to addiction. There's absolutely no way I could safely be a method actor. Not to mention, it makes no damn sense to me. I remember, and if it works for people, that's good, but I remember being an actor, being in a class that was a method class, and my friend, Rich Goterry, he's a great, great teacher. He's like, okay, close your eyes and feel the orange. And he's going on and on and on, and there's other people like, wow, I can smell it. Oh, my God, I can feel it. And I'm there like, y'all are on acid. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't there's understand. A, there's an orange in my hand. But that's also probably my own mind and body protecting me from probably what's dangerous for me. Um, like, I, I get why poor Heath Ledger. I, I, that's a fucked up place to live. I couldn't do it, you know? So, But as an actor, I genuinely don't really ever understand why I, you know, okay, I'm crying. Why am I supposed to cry? I don't really feel that. I'm acting. It's pretend. <laughs> You know, so, but I also don't have a method either, so I don't know. It just works. But yeah, I am in a place where I'm more comfortable emoting, and um, it's not necessarily being comfortable. It's understanding what they are. So I'm understanding what they are. More. Does that so affect your real life relationships at all? No, not really. No. Do you think? Do you think it makes it? Uh, let's say, okay, does it make does it make your relationships, whether it in any sort of way? Easier or harder, do you feel? Or neither? I think that answer requires an emotion I don't have. (laughs) 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 I I don't know. I mean, like, my literal gut answer to that is, I don't know. If you don't like me, you can piss off. Like, I don't care. You know? Um, 
because everyone is who they are. So it's like, yo, if you don't dig me, that's cool. I respect it. You know, in whatever fashion, whatever form or fashion. No one is for everybody. And that's sweet. Cool. If I'm not for you, peace off. Like, I don't know. Bye. And I always like to like ask this in interviews on the podcast is, you know, what sort of like nugget of knowledge from your life and career that anybody listening to this podcast could sort of project into their own life? doesn't matter what they do. Listen to your gut. That small little voice that whispers at you. It's not going to scream at you. It's not going to throw bricks at you. Small little voice. Listen to it and follow it. Follow your intuition. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I've had a problem with that second guessing, that that little creative voice in my head. And I'm like, and I'd be like, Nah, nah, I'm like, ah, oh, I should have did that. Then after, then then I get that feeling, oh, it's past past its time. I missed the opportunity, blah, 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 when all that's bullshit. And I'm going to say that everyone is going to pick something different from what they've heard thus far, whatever you've said, whatever April said. And if you're actually looking for a golden nugget, you probably missed it. Rewind and listen to the podcast over again. <laughs> Because something else will stick out this time around. And if you listen to it again, another thing will stick out. I can listen to the same uh, teaching, if, if it's an instructional video, over and over again and get a different thing from it each time. And so I think that what what you're going to get from listening to us is what's applicable to your life in this moment, right this second, right now. Whatever pops out at you right this second, that's what you need right now. Pay attention to it. And, and, and that's the small voice. The thing that, that's, that's calling to you, the thing that's sticking out for you in the moment, that's the small voice. That's good. That's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do, uh, <laughs> do either of you have any final thoughts that you would like to express? Final thoughts. Just do it. I am Nike, and it's okay. Ooh. Interesting, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, be bold. And watch Chair Gang every week on Facebook Watch. And as as you mentioned that, where can people go online to get more information about Chair Gang and what in stuff that you both are doing? It's fantastic you asked that, Kelly. Um, they can go to facebook.com slash chair gang series. And on all your social media networks, we are at chair gang series. For me personally, I am April Washco, which is at April Washco. And um, that's literally the same everywhere you go. So you, you, won't, you won't miss that. You won't miss that. And on social media, I am literally Linda Russell, L-Y-I-N-D-A-A. Underscore R U S S E L L everywhere. Yeah, Facebook. Is there anything else that you want to promote that maybe you're working on? Oh also? no. No. This 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 is this is this is enough for people to digest in the moment. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a bit much, so yeah. Thank you. I'm extra. You're extra. <laughs> yes. She right. was the one on the tables, you know it. <laughs> I have I definitely know she was probably on the table. <laughs> says, don't comment. <laughs> I was trying not to make that sound uh, 
disgusting, but at the Performing Arts High School. Yeah, n- not not anywhere in else. a shady bar on Eight Mile. <laughs> All right, it was it was great talking with both of y'all. Thank you so much for having us, Kelly. It was awesome. <laughs> yes, thank you, Kelly. So that was my interview with April Washko and Linda Russell from the TV series Chair Gang. New episodes of Chair Gang come out each week via Facebook Watch. For more information, just go to the show notes for this episode at freshthepodcast.com, and there will be links to where you can check out Chair Gang and support the show. All right, that's another interview in the bag. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.